This week, we're going to talk about assisted dying. Let me explain. Let me explain with Sean Defoe, a News Talk original. Now, some of you who've been following things in the Oireachtas will probably be aware there's a committee of TDs and senators looking into whether or not Ireland should legislate to allow for assisted dying or assisted suicide, as it's sometimes called. It's been well aired before through the likes of the Mary Fleming case and others, and it's obviously a pretty contentious issue as well. Campaigners say there needs to be an option for the terminally ill so they don't have to suffer when there is no potential for recovery, while others argue that, look, life is life. It's sacred and there is no excuse for any reason to end or to help take a life. Not really going to get into all of that today, though. We might again at some point in the series, because... I started looking into this a number of months ago and in back in May I did an interview with a man called Brendan Clark for the Pat Kenny show. Brendan was diagnosed with motor neuron disease and was arguing in favour of a dying with dignity legislation. And last week he died. A little over a year, certainly less than 18 months on from when he first realised something was wrong. He was sort of a remarkable character when we first agreed to do the interview. It was to be anonymous. He didn't want his name used for totally understandable reasons. And when I went to meet him at his apartment in Balbriggan, we had a really great chat. He was listening to Lyric FM when I first came in and was sort of joking about it obviously being a rival station. We had to pause the interview a couple of times because his phone just kept on ringing with people who were looking to check in on him, which was lovely support group that he called Bren's Angels. And his ringtone was from the opera Carmen by George Bizet. We did the interview you were about to hear back in May and it was meant to be anonymous. And so at the end, I said to him, look, I could change your voice a bit if you like and I'll call you something else. Is there any particular name that you'd like me to use? And he just said, no, use my name. Let's put it out there. Let's get it all out there. And after that, he became a bit of a campaigner. Like he did a number of interviews. He was talking to different politicians. He was meant to go before the Oireachtas Committee or speak to the Oireachtas Committee in some manner. And it just sort of struck me, he was one of those people who have that kind of spark, you know, when they get the bit between their teeth, they just run with it and something kicks them off and kicks them in a certain direction. And Brendan was certainly, you know, one of those kind of people. It was such a pleasure to chat to. We had a great time in his his apartment that day, just just chatting away from the interview, as I quite often find with people you meet who are just particularly impressive. It's the stuff that happens off air that kind of almost sticks with you most. And he had texted me a number of times since then, we've been texting back and forward, and always had so much energy for a man who was dealing with everything that he was dealing with. So part of this interview went out on the Pat Kenny Show with clips offering the alternative viewpoint. We might do another podcast in the future arguing the opposite and the side that Brendan isn't advocating for, if you like. But I suppose this one is in tribute to Brendan Clark, who was, you know, truly just a very remarkable person. Yeah, so Brendan, I suppose, look, tell me a little bit about yourself first. Uh, my name is Brendan. I'm originally from Mayo, and I live in North County Dublin. And I've got motor neuron disease and I'm basically not able to walk anymore and prior to prior to this I was a very active person went on holidays three, four times a year to Spain stayed out late drank a lot had fun and now I can't walk When, I suppose, did you first get the inkling that something was wrong? 
I'd say about 10 months ago, I fell twice in my apartment and I realised there was something wrong. I went to the doctor. Originally, they thought I had Parkinson's, so I was on Parkinson's medicine for three, four months. Then I got a specialist and she told me I didn't have Parkinson's. I had motion urine, which gave us quite a shock. Mm. It did it sort of, I suppose, hit you straight away, the, the full impact of what that diagnosis meant? Yes, it did. I feel the doctor said I, I I was very calm about the verdict, so I told her six of one and a half dozen of the other. But I knew Mortonior was a more serious disease. But that's life. Mm. So nothing I can do about it. And I suppose in the weeks after, you know, you obviously had to tell family, tell friends. Yeah. How was that? Um, shock. Uh, my friends, family were very upset. They were more upset than I was. I sighed. I, I've resigned myself to it at that stage, and I still have. And um, nothing I could do about it. Something I was worrying about it. That that obviously it, it's funny though that way when you have these sort of diagnoses or things happen to you, it's always the family who get hit harder by it or nearly want you to be fighting it more. It is, it is the. The family and friends, they were more upset than I was. Because um, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you just have to get on and live the best life you can for as long as you can. But as I say, that's, that's where I'm at at the moment. And you say, which happened beforehand, you were saying you were in Barcelona only this time last year, you know, yeah. living it up. So I suppose how quickly did things change for you? Well, uh, I was in Barcelona in February. Uh, sorry, I was in Canaries in February. I was in Barcelona in April, May. And I was flying around like a madman. And went downhill from that. I felt twice in Barcelona. But I thought it was I had too many glasses of wine. But obviously it wasn't the wine. This was the motion urine kicking in. And then your home life? Home life is good. I have fabulous neighbours. They look after me very well. I have a circle of friends. They're called Bren's Angels. Uh, family and friends all on the Bren's Angels WhatsApp. And they look after me 24-7. I'm, I'm never on my own face. Great to have that support network around. How quickly did you did you need them? I suppose how quickly did it go from being one or two falls to, to, to where you are now? They, they saw me going down quicker than I realised. Uh, my neighbours here in the estate, they could see the, that I was getting worse. But I was, I wasn't acknowledging that. I was fighting it. And, um, but I had to keep in. I, 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 know, I know now that I, I was getting worse. My voice was getting worse. And my legs have got 
I can hardly walk now, so I'm kind of snookered. Um, and in, I suppose the other side of it is the support you are getting in terms of the medical support. I know you were, before we were speaking, you were very quick to praise them. Yeah, the um, the medical support. Once you're in the system, they're fantastic. Um, I've got my electric wheelchair, I've got my push wheelchair, got rollators, electric chairs. Um, once you're in the system, they, they can't do enough for you. But it's getting into the system is the problem. The, at one stage, I couldn't get a medical card because the, I had a pension. When I, when I saw my consultant, she couldn't understand why I didn't have a medical card because I'm not exactly wealthy. And she went to work on various people. I got a medical card within 10 days which is what I need because I couldn't afford the tablets anyhow. Once I got that, everything else ticked into place and everything else just happened. And when you're in the system, it's good. Mm. Yeah, the, that barrier to entry can be a, a big one for a lot of people. Um, so in terms of you then, for your, you know, your lifestyle, you said you were obviously very, very active. I presume this has been just a really, really difficult year getting used to your new circumstance. Yeah, it's been a, a dreadful year. Um, very hard to get used to sitting in a wheelchair when you used to run around. I'd walk 10, 15 miles every day around town. I would be on the bus to train down to Cork. I'd be up in Ballasfast over in Newry. At loan, now I'm stuck in a wheelchair. It's it's a it's a bit, it's a big adjustment to my lifestyle. And the uh, part of the reason we're talking is obviously the dying with dignity legislation, which is set to be examined by an Oireachtas committee uh, that would allow people in your situation and people in other situations where they have fatal illnesses to you know to avail of, of assisted dying as it's being called. What do you think overall of that legislation? Do you think it's a sensible move, or, or what are your thoughts? I think assisted dying is a, a fabulous idea for somebody in my position. At the moment, I'm still functioning. But I don't know what I'll be like in three or four months' time. And I honestly feel I don't want to live this life because I'm probably going to lose my voice. I've, lo I've lost my left arm. I've lost my legs. I'm not living. I'm just existing. That must be a very hard realisation to come to, that it's something you don't, that life is something you don't want to continue with. I, <clears throat> I love life, but not this life. I can't live like this. You would die tomorrow? I would die tomorrow, yes. Have you expressed that view to the likes of your family and friends? Some of my friends know I haven't discussed it with my family yet, but I will. I would have a chat with them. But my closest friends know where I'm at. They're not happy with it. They don't agree with it. They want me to do palliative hospice care. But they're not living this life. I am. <laughs> 
but I, and I'm not living. I'm existing. When did that thought, I suppose, first come into your head in this the whole process that you've been through? Uh, the last three months, when the legs started to go, and I knew I, I would never really get out again without help. I am. Uh, I've no quality of life. Uh, hygiene even listened. It's, it's, I can't shame myself anymore. Um, there's lots of things I can't do in the bathroom anymore. I need help to shower. I have a cure showers me. My dignity is gone. I, I just don't want to be here. A lot of the doctors in particular who oppose this legislation say that, you know, there are obviously all the issues that you just mentioned are, are incredibly valid, but that at the end of the day, life is life and that there will be times within that where, you know, you will get joy from your family or from your friends or, or from whoever it is. Uh, and that perhaps people in your situation are sort of pressured maybe into looking for a dying with dignity option because they think that they're a burden on their family or their friends or the system. Is that some, I suppose you're just your reaction to, to that viewpoint that is put out there by some of the consultants involved in this. Yeah, I, I probably think I, I, I could be a burden to friends and family, but they are not living this life. They're not going through the pain I'm going through. And the doctors are entitled to their opinion. There's also doctors that would totally agree with what I want to do. And that's the side I'm on at the moment. I, I, I actually want to go. Can't do this much longer. It's, at the same time, it's a very difficult thing for a family member to hear. Um, and it must be an incredibly thing, difficult thing for you to, to think about. I mean, do you think about what's beyond for you? I don't know, are you religious at all? No, I'm not religious. Um, I have no problem with dying. Um, as far as I'm concerned, we, 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 we live and we die. I, I'm not a God person. It doesn't have anything. I'm sure they'll bury me in the grave and they'll do the church thing and the family will do that. But the man says, I won't be around, I won't be taking part in it. So what's your, what would be your message to the politicians then who are going to be considering whether or not this should be law over the next few months, some of them for it, like Gino Kenny, some of them dead against it? I'd say try and live my life at the moment and you'll all change your, your opinion. Um, we need a choice. I, I, don't, I don't think it should be willy-nilly give someone a tablet. There's um, native laws to protect vulnerable people. I still have all my senses. I know what I'm doing. Some people may not have their senses. And other people shouldn't be making their decisions, but I'm making mine while I'm capable of doing it. Um, that's pretty much all I had to ask. Is there anything else that you want to say or any other point that you want to get across? No, I don't think so. Um, I think, you know, Kenny, bringing this to the commission, the Doyle, is a good thing. It's starting a conversation. 
that needs to be spoken about. We've done lots of other things, gay marriage, abortion. This next big, this is the next big one, I think, and it needs to be discussed.